Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday September the 28th, uh, 2019. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got uh, two very good special guests uh, with us who are regular guests, should I say, regular folks uh, now because they provide us such good information. Uh, We've got Mr. Todd Benzman from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies who's going to be giving us an update on some of the research and investigative work that he's been doing regarding um, uh, illegal immigration south of the border and what's driving it. Uh, as well as uh, we've got also have Mr. Jason Jones, uh, who is with the uh, he, he is a criminal expert, um, an expert on border crime. And he's going to be giving us an update of what's happening with the cartels and all of the crime south of the border. My friends, uh, there have been uh, there was a report uh, this past week regarding the uh, the number of murders that have been occurring in uh, in in. Um, uh, Juarez, just across the border from El Paso. We've got to remember that it was in El Paso not too long ago that Mr. Beto O'Rourke, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, stood there and he said that uh, that um, uh, El Paso is is one of the safest places in the world because of uh, because of the immigrants. He didn't call them illegal aliens. Well, I got news for you. Right across the border, my friends, uh, the murder rate has hit an astonishing rate, uh, just as bad as uh, Afghanistan, if not worse. So, uh, you know, we've uh, we're we're, we're going to be chatting with that with him about that. We also have some updates on news. So let me go ahead and jump into the news uh, uh, stuff. All of the news that's been going on lately. Um, I'll give you a real quick update. First of all, first of all, the Federation for American Immigration Reform or FAIR, they've released a report that says that the uh, illegal immigration population in San Antonio has, uh, in San Antonio, excuse me, in the United States, should I say, has surged by nearly two million. By two million, it has expanded, and uh, they estimate that it's about fourteen point three million. I would estimate that it's a lot higher than that, but this this is fair, and that's fine. That's fine. This is this is their their uh, educated um, guesstimate. And uh, the report says that the increases are due to several factors. Uh, first of all, they're, they're due to, to the lax laws that, uh, you know, we really, really have not been, uh, it, we haven't been deporting people. We haven't been uh, taking a strong stand on illegal immigration. Like I've said repeatedly, my friends, if you don't punish Bad behavior, you only get more of it. You only get more of it. What we've been doing is rewarding bad behavior. We've been giving illegal aliens free college, free housing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, well, you know, all that does is encourage more illegal Im- immigration. So, well, uh, that's one. The other thing is the promises of sanctuary because we've got tons of communities now, uh, not to mention states, uh, who are who are uh, not cooperating with ICE, who are not cooperating with uh, with immigration law enforcement. And so, well, that's another that's another magnet that brings people. And so, you you know, the, the word spreads and that's this is where they end up going. I mean, Baltimore, uh, uh, suburban Maryland, suburban uh, Washington, D.C., the Maryland suburbs, uh, they've been plagued, plagued lately by uh, by illegal alien crime. And they don't have anybody to blame but themselves because they are sanctuary communities. Uh, the other thing is uh, that there, there is the growing threat from the Trump administration that uh, they are going to that the Trump administration is going to get is getting tough and is closing the border. 
and that has uh, encouraged more people to hurry up and get across the border illegally. Uh, you know, it's scared everybody. And so they want to get in before the door closes. So these are the factors that have encouraged people to, well, more people to come in. Um, what's very, very interesting, my friends, what's important to note is that there have, uh, there, there have been efforts, uh, the efforts by the, uh, to stop and to slow the immigration to date. Uh, most of it has been due to, uh, the creative independent actions of president Trump and his administration, because, um, because the the Congress has not done has not lifted a finger, and uh, you know the the thing that I take my hat on off to the to the Trump administration is that they are not afraid of the media or the leftist uh, the leftist lawsuits, the leftist uh, protesters, and so um, you know uh, that that's uh, that's that's the positive news in that aspect of it. Uh, there's also news uh, coming from Indianapolis. I don't know how many of you remember. But there was a Guatemalan illegal alien that uh, has been convicted of causing the crash and death of Indianapolis Colts linebacker Edwin Jackson uh, and his Uber driver. Uh, This uh, illegal alien, uh, Manuel Orrego Zavala from Guatemala, who was here in the United States illegally, um, uh, was uh, drunk and he crashed into uh, into the car that uh, was carrying uh, Edwin Jackson, the football player, and killed him and killed him. And so uh, Chief Justice um, uh, District, U.S. District Judge, should I say, Jane McManus, has ordered that uh, Manuel Orrego uh, Zavala to serve his sentence consecutively. Uh, he sentenced him to 16 years uh, in the state prison. And... Uh, uh, the word is that, you know, the, the, the sentence was because, quote, to send a strong message to uh, the defendant and others in similar situations that our nation's laws must be respected and there are real consequences for violating the law. Uh, Orrego Savala had, uh, was in the United States illegally, as we've already mentioned, and it was the third time that he had come in and been caught and deported. Third time. It was also, uh, this guy was um, also... Uh, uh, involved in other uh, uh, alcohol-related uh, 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 crashes in the past. So this guy was not only in the country illegally, he was posing as a threat already. Then, of course, there is the situation um, with an illegal alien who attacked the Border Patrol agent uh, in, um, uh, in, in Freer, near Freer, Texas, um, Malicio, uh, Malesio, I guess it's, it is, Malesio Lopez Hernandez, age 39, uh, resisted arrest and attacked a Border Patrol agent uh, in the bushes out in the country, attacked him with a, uh, with a flashlight uh, earlier this year. And uh, the agent uh, tried to detain Lopez Hernandez. Uh, and, and in the struggle, the, uh, the illegal alien grabbed his flashlight from the vest uh, and verbally threatened uh, threatened him and then hit him on the head with a flashlight. Uh, the agent did sustain some injuries, and Lopez uh, Hernandez was arrested when uh, others arrived. Uh, at the hearing, the defense um, uh, attempted to convince the court that Lopez Hernandez thought the officer was a cow. Okay, This was the defense. This was the defense of the illegal alien. They they said that they that uh, Lopez and Hernandez thought the officer was a cow. Jeez, <laughs> oh, oh my friends, I, 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 you know, are these liberal attorneys any more stupid? Anyway, um, we wanted to uh, check on a couple of things. I, I wanted uh, to uh, run a um, a uh, very interesting interview that was done with my good friend um, uh, Hector Garza from the uh, Border Patrol. Uh, union here in uh, in Laredo in the Laredo area that was done on on um, uh, on Fox News. Uh, let me run it and then we'll talk about it because it is related to a very important new uh, issue, new uh, 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 change in the uh, in immigration law and in the policies and procedures. 
And also breaking tonight, the Trump administration strikes a deal that would send asylum seekers at the southern border to El Salvador. Acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McAleenan announcing the new deal today, saying it would act as a deterrent to the surge of illegal immigrants. McAleenan reached a similar deal with Guatemala last month. Joining me now to talk about it, National Border Patrol Council uh, Vice President Hector Garza. So, step by step, the president is taking Hector uh, aggressive actions. Uh, what do you make of the latest ones I just identified, in particular, the new deal that would send people back to El Salvador if they had passed through El Salvador. So this is a very good asylum cooperation agreement, and we're very grateful that President Trump uh, and his administration has been working on, on this deal with El Salvador. Essentially, this agreement will apply to those migrants that come from countries like Nicaragua, uh, Cuba, uh, Brazil and some Central American, Central African uh, nations. Um, essentially, if these people cross through El Salvador on the way to the United States, the U.S. will then be able to send them back to El Salvador so they can wait for their asylum process. And that is very good because essentially what the United States is planning on doing is building an asylum system in El Salvador so that when these migrants pass through El Salvador, they can seek asylum there and not in the United States. Just the word. And so, my friends, this uh, this change, this change has great ramifications because what what has been happening particularly with Salvadorans because those that is them and the Hondurans and the Guatemalans of course the Central Americans have been the ones that have been coming in greatest numbers into the United States and thanks to Mexico at least a little bit they have curtailed some of that and um, now many of folks are having to stay in uh, in the country of first uh, the, the the country that they first flee into uh, which is uh, in, make, in, in some cases Mexico. Uh, others are having are now going to have to stay uh, in El Salvador or Guatemala or uh, Honduras, depending on where which country they cross into first. This has tremendous impact on. It is going to be helping us to control the border a whole lot because what's been happening in the past is that they have been arriving and then um, coming in, uh, getting a uh, court date. They get released and then they are never seen again, and they they remain in the country illegally. So this is this is a tremendous tremendous uh, uh, change of policy that's, gonna, in my opinion, is going to be a, a game changer in many many ways. Uh, again, this is the Trump administration being creative. This is the Trump administration taking uh, taking in the initiative because obviously the uh, the Congress, particularly the Democratic led House is not lifting a finger to do a doggone thing. On the contrary, they want they want to lessen the number of uh, holding cells, the number of holding facilities, so that people are going to get released. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing the games that these people play. Uh, so anyway, um, we're going to be uh, going to go ahead and take a break now. But um, welcome to the show, my friends. I hope that you will call others and uh, tell them to join us. Uh, here on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer will be right back. Stay tuned. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our very good buddy, Jason Jones, the uh, criminal, in, in the international and border criminal expert. Uh, Jason uh, is uh, is getting to be pretty well known. He's pro- traveling all over the place, uh, uh, sharing his uh, his uh, ideas as well as uh, what uh, he sees, all his research that's going on. 
So we wanted to get him back up here and uh, get us uh, updated on what is happening because there has been some violence south of the border, particularly uh, during Mexican Independence Day, apparently. And uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Tell us about this situation in Brackettville recently where uh, there was a shot taken at uh, somebody shot at, at, at a Border Patrol agent. Tell us about that. Yeah, and George, it's great to be back with you, and thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, this is the thing that I've been really concerned about, and that is that we have to understand that what happens in Mexico directly affects the American people and our law enforcement officers. And the reason I bring this up is because there was a Border Patrol agent who was shot uh, September 13th, uh, just outside of Brackettville after conducting a traffic stop. Now, luckily, he was riding with a partner, and what it looks like is that upon his approach, he was shot uh, by the driver, and his partner opened up return fire, killing the suspect. And while it's you know everything is law enforcement sensitive right now, that it's under an active investigation, that area is the resupply zone for Cartel del Noreste, known as CDN. And also, many of, many of the listeners will remember a time when they were the old laws that this before being rebranded and um, have become what they are today. But the reason it's important and the reason I bring it up is because and what we need to, to keep an eye on, and I'm trying to get the information out now, is is the driver linked to CDN? And if so, what was the reason for this shooting? Because that is a resupply zone for the cartel. Money and weapons move south resupplying this cartel and when they battle they have to get resupplied so that means money shipments increase people that owe the cartel money in mexico they better start paying up here domestically and they got to move more weapons because of losses and i can tell you cdn just in the last two weeks has lost over 20 cicadios uh through shootings that have just been throughout the city of nuevo laredo now now tell the folks what a cicario is uh you know that and also tell us uh, are there various um, uh, routes that the various cartels take uh, that uh, you know serve as their personal turf, and therefore they um, they use those routes? Is that it? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. So uh, the thing that really separates a cartel from a U.S. based gang, and you will hear a lot of so called experts who've never debriefed a cartel member consider them or call them gangs. They are absolutely not a gang. They truly control territory. That means the mayor is on the payroll, the governors are on the payroll, and very high-level leaders within the military who usually command areas uh, are also on that. That's how this works. And Sicadios specifically are very highly trained individuals. Now, within each cartel, it's different. You know, many some of them go through just a basic, others go through a basic and an advanced, and then specialized training on how to work two-way handheld encrypted radios, special weapons, things like that. So each cartel, while a little different because they are they are all a network and are managed and have a different command structure and how they operate. What should concern everyone about this particular event, though, is that CDN is a very powerful cartel. They come back after being dismantled due to the great work of DEA and U.S. Marshals and SAMAR, which is Mexico's most elite forces, but they have come back very strong. And now they are causing a lot of problems throughout the state of Tamaulipas. And just so the listeners know, the entire state of Tamaulipas right now, which borders Texas from Matamoros or or from our side, it would be Brownsville all the way to uh, just uh, past del rio is under the control of cdn and all of that state is embattled since august 13th from cartel on cartel violence. that is really frightening that is really really scary it is but you know it's also preventable we saw this coming through movements of cartel del Noreste into miguel aliman uh and it should have been stopped and i'll be very frank and open with you we cannot have as we have been having george hundreds of thousands of rounds I mean, these gun battles go on for eight-plus hours at times. And we cannot have that occurring on our border. And, you know, as much as, um, you know, we see the great work of this president to bring the military to our border to try to limit immigration issues, the leadership within our government agencies are not stepping up and realizing the threats that are posed by these cartels. And I do hold those agency leaders accountable because they brief our president, and they should have stopped this. This was stoppable. 
these uh, the, these gun battles that you're talking about, these are the ones that occurred like in, in Reynosa and in uh, Nuevo Laredo and other places like that, almost on a regular basis, right? Yeah, absolutely, daily. Uh, last night I was working, uh, we're expecting a very large gun battle. Uh, we were looking at over 50 armored and non-armored convoys of Sicarios and uh, in, in armored vehicles driving into what is Cartel de Gapo, or also known as the Gulf Cartel's territory. And so the plazas along our border, from Nueva Laredo to Miguel Aleman, Suedad Mir, uh, Reynosa and Rio Bravo, including Suedad Victoria, are all embattled. Wow. Have roving gun battles now that last up to plus eight hours. I mean, when I tell you hundreds of thousands of rounds, and I post on tripwires and triggers on my social media a lot of the videos that come out. Yeah, that we've are seen those. The public. It's just incredible. It, it is. I mean, we've seen, you know, I mean, it, it's like you're watching a movie. It, it, it's, uh, the, you know, the, you can hear the gunfire going off. And people scattering and whatnot, and, and you know, at, at times it's so surreal that it it does it 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 appears like it's a, it, it's a movie. It's not real. Yeah, and George, I'll tell you, this is one of the things that really bothers me. You know, I know that the American people are fatigued from talking about the immigration issue, the border issues, and I absolutely understand it. But one of the things that we have to recognize is that the cartels are separate from just the immigration issue and that the human rights violations that they're committing of killing over 200,000 people in that country. You know, you're, you're talking about 40,000 people missing. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, they've got 26,000 bodies in morgues across the nation that are not identified right now. Amazing. Well, they recently found uh, something like 300 in, in Jalisco uh, in, in buried in some bags. Uh, so I mean, you know, it, the the amount of the atrocities that that are going on, it, it's tremendous. And I can tell you what that all is all about. The reason these mass graves are being found is because the cartels believe that if the bodies are, cannot be found, then therefore it, it, they don't exist. They were never murdered, right? So uh, they they do everything they can to make people just disappear. And what I mean by that is, and a good example is a is a method known as the guiso or the stew. This is a method in which the cartels utilize, and all cartels, not just one or, or a few of them, all of them do this, uh, that make people disappear where they literally incinerate the bodies. There's nothing left, not even both. Wow, wow. Now, the uh, the cartels are also, the violence and the crime is also having an impact on uh, on, on uh, Trump's efforts to um, hold these folks across the border that claim asylum, that, uh, you know, the, the this... The asylum seekers are being uh, held uh, by Mexico uh, pending their hearing. However, folks like the United Nations and the leftists here in, in the United States are now saying that it's too dangerous for these people to be in uh, in in uh, Mexico because of the cartel violence. Yeah, and and I understand that that point. You know that you should. What they're referring to is the MPP program, which is the Migration Protection Protocols um, that has been very good for us in lowering the numbers by over seventy percent in just the last few months of people trying to cross illegally between the ports of entry. And what it does is it mandates that they stay in Mexico while they go through an asylum process and then come back at a later date, which they're given to show up before the courts. But what I would say to that is that, yes, um, you know, the violence in Mexico is real. It is happening along our borders. And but, you know, that's the American people and the American government has to do the best right by its citizens. There and if people go. are going to cross in through Mexico, through Central America to come to the United States. then that's, you know, these are our these are our laws and our processes. That's so exactly right. People are going to have to go through that just as it when you cross through Mexico and other countries. You have to go, you know. You have to abide by their laws. That's exactly right. Right, right. Uh, here in the last uh, minute or so, can you uh, give us then a, a, a idea of what you think uh, needs to happen or will be happening? Well, one of the things that, you know, I've been pushing for heavily is designating the Mexican cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. And if that's new to the folks who are listening, the reason it's important is because we have to be very honest about the limitations of U.S. law enforcement. And as someone who uh, was at the rank of captain in the Texas State Police and who conducted border operations for the largest border operation in U.S. history, which is Operation Secure Texas, 
that operation lasted three years in a joint environment. I recognized, and it is very clear, that we can't do this alone. And what the foreign terrorism uh, designation does is it allows the three main things. First and foremost is it provides focus from the U.S. government on the cartels because a lot of people still believe that they are just this drug cartel, right? That they don't recognize that the quantum leaps and capabilities that the cartels now have. The second thing that it does is it limits their mobility. And this is a big one, George, because, you know, just taking Sinaloa Cartel, for example, we know that Sinaloa is over in over 54 nations around the world. Wow. <laughs> over 30,000 operatives. So it allows us to limit that mobility, not only in our own country, but globally. And then the third and final thing, which is very, very important, is it allows the Department of Defense uh, to have authorities in this arena. Uh, now, I'm not talking about boots on the ground in Mexico. What I'm talking about is collecting and working and providing intelligence to host nations, not only in Mexico, but wherever the cartels operate. And two other main things linked with that, which is that it allows us to target assets using the uh, Department of uh, or the uh, IRS, along with the Department of Justice, by priority. That's a very important point. Once we get there, we can use all the tools of the Homeland Security Enterprise uh, and national tools of national power to go after the cartels. That's wow. the important thing here, George. Wow. Jason, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us again. We're going to get you back on again as the as this um, this uh, saga continues south of the border and uh, impacts on us. So thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, buddy. Always good to be with you. Thank you, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM Radio. And uh, we've got our good buddy, uh, Todd Benzman from uh, the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. We wanted to get him on so that he could give us an update about what is going on uh, south of the border uh, with regards to the uh, to uh, the influx of um, folks that were coming across. We've, there, there's been a, a drop, but apparently there continues to be uh, loopholes for some folks. Uh, not to mention there are uh, other issues that are happening. There have been some busts and whatnot. So we wanted to get him, we wanted Todd to give us a, an update of what, uh, what's been going on uh, with regards to the, uh, the uh, immigration crisis that we face. Todd, welcome to the show as usual. Um, tell us, what is going on? What's the latest about, uh, with, with regards to, uh, to uh, the immigration crisis here at our borders? Well, so so much is happening down there that uh, you know it would take a few of your programs to to uh, even crack the uh, ice on it. But um, really, what what we're seeing now is uh, huge decreases, obviously, in the numbers of apprehensions, particularly of Central Americans, which which form the basis of the my, the crisis that we saw through the summer. But um, and and and, and all, all you know, ranging back to the to last fall. And, and and do you think this is this is direct result uh, of uh, of the Trump administration tightening the loopholes and doing a few other things uh, uh, without uh, without congressional help, without Congress's help? Sure, yeah. At, at this point, I think that it's safe for me to attribute all of all, if not most, of the decline to President Trump's policies and particularly to the policy known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP, which is weight in Mexico, which is having an astounding impact on the decision-making of Central American migrants. They're ending up back in Mexico and uh, not being able to uh, wait in the United States, which really pretty much is forever, uh, for their asylum claims. they got to wait in Mexico and Tremendous impact on uh, those folks and uh, the ones who are being brought into the U.S. to the immigration tent courts that are being set up right now are making this claim that uh, don't return me to Mexico because it's dangerous there. 
uh, and they're being returned anyway on grounds that unless the Mexican government is persecuting you, uh, you can't stay here. You still have to go back. It, it's not a matter of whether or not you might get mugged or, or the cartels might victimize you or some, somehow mm-hmm. you might become a victim of crime. You could get mugged in Chicago, my understanding, right? Right. So, so the claims that are – they're all making claims right now. Don't send me back to Mexico. Let me stay here, of course, they, so I can live illegally forever. Uh, so that's not working out uh, under Cuccinelli and, and the immigration courts. Uh, so, so that's one policy that has had a tremendous effect. Uh, many, many of those migrants are choosing to return back to Guatemala and Honduras and uh, other uh, El Salvador. But um, the other major policy that's having an effect is uh, the Mexican government is actively interdicting uh, migrants coming through. Uh, they're turning them back. They're holding them. They're making it difficult. And uh, I think that's having an, an impact on decision making. It's just becoming very difficult to get into the United States now. That's amazing. You know, the, this this uh, this is a very very new uh, take from Mexico of them actually helping us. I mean, that 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 really is amazing to me. Well, I mean, you'll do pretty much anything to avoid stiff tar- U.S. tariffs on your products. That's so. true. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta be made to uh, want to help. So uh, they're they're helping, and this just shows us for the future any democratic administrations that come in uh, that that uh, you know the Mexicans certainly can help if they flex their muscles a little bit. Where where things are are not really um, uh, halted as much is in the area, the category of special interest aliens and extra continental migrants. These are folks that are coming in from Africa, Cuba, uh, the Middle East, South Asia, North Africa, that, those kind of countries. We've got a lot of, what happened was we, 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 we had, there was so much success among Central Americans in crossing the border and being released forever into the interior, that it signaled the entire world that they also can come. So there were many, many thousands who started journeying through South America and uh, into Mexico, through Central America, Mexico, into the United States from these you know, third world countries, countries far, far uh, in other, in, on other continents. And uh, that, that has run into some trouble. The Mexicans are halting Africans at their border and holding them there at our behest, uh, detaining them for, in some cases, months, making it difficult, and they're rioting. So you're hearing about fights that are breaking out down in the camps down there and American lawyers heading down there and human rights organizations, and that's what that's all about. The Mexicans are essentially saying you don't have a right to be in our country, so we're going to deport you. Uh, and so you have some of that happening, but, but then you have a lot of others who are getting around that. And if they make it to the U.S. border, uh, the policies pretty much don't apply uh, as much because they, they can make a convention on torture claim that they would be subject to torture if they were, were returned to their home countries. So there's a little bit of a loophole there for them, and so Africans are being waved through, and Middle Easterners and Bangladeshis are being waved through still. Which is really, really strange, because, I mean, if, if there is a terrorist that's going to sneak in, it's going to sneak in with the, with that group, it would seem. Yeah, they would claim, or, or, you know, you could have war criminals. I mean, we don't really know who any of these folks are. Uh, of course, all of them are claiming to be the victims of terrorists and the victims of uh, war cr- criminals in their home countries, but but really we we don't really know who they are, and um, so there is a an elevated risk associated with that with that um, kind of migration. So, um, but there is good news on that front. We um, ICE Homeland Security Investigations um, within the last uh, week or two announced the second bust of a Bangladeshi smuggler. Uh, these were two smugglers who specialize in bringing in thousands of Bangladeshis over the Texas border. Uh, One of the Bangladeshis was based in Tapachula, 
and ran a network there. And the other Bangladeshi was based in Monterey. And the two of them worked together to move migrants coming to them from another group in Central America over the Texas border. But ICE took the, took both of these out. They caught the second guy, Milan Mia, at, at Houston's George Bush International Airport. Um, he he was uh, he's charged with alien smuggling, and so is the other guy who um, they caught. And they've also busted uh, three special interest alien smugglers in Brazil within the last month. Uh, knocked out a big uh, network and operation out of there that was moving migrants from the Middle East and Pakistan and Iran and. Um, all of those uh, kind of countries of interest. Uh, so the, the, the Homeland Security Investigations is really racking up a, a pretty impressive uh, number of for this kind of uh, migration. Todd, Todd, would it be, be fair to say that we, we are seeing a silver lining in the, in the, uh, in the immigration, uh, in, con- in controlling immigration? Uh, can we fairly say that? I think so. Uh, I think I, I think that we can definitely say that this is not weather related. <laughs> uh, I know it's hot out there, and, and normally we cycle down on apprehensions around this time of year, but the numbers are way, way below what they normally would be from weather related um, uh, reductions. So uh, I was talking to a USCIS source of mine just yesterday who was explaining to me that that uh, Cuccinelli, the uh, director of USCIS, had issued an order requiring what's called that that the credible fear interviewers consider internal dis, internal relocation in all of their interviews. So, if you're having a problem in Honduras with your local cop, then the question becomes, well, why didn't you move to a place a cop doesn't live? Correct. Then you're out. It's a no credible fear. And so the number of, of no boxes checked has risen to about 50% from 5%. Oh, my gosh. And so that one rule change, that one requirement to consider internal relocation is having a massive in- impact on all of this kind of migration. Uh, this is kind of like, you know, if you live in a, a, a fifth ward in Houston or something and you're victimized by the Crips or something, and um, you know, you're not going to just pick up your entire world and, and, and claim asylum in Canada, right? Correct, correct. You can move, you can move someplace you, else. Why didn't you just move across town, you know, and yeah. get away from the Crips? And so, you know, it makes such conventional sense when you think about it, but we've never done it as yeah. a country. We just automatically check the yes box and you're, you're in on an asylum claim. Correct. And um, that's over. Small little tweaks like that are having massive impact. We've, uh, we've only got a few more, uh, about more, 30 seconds more. Uh, what can we conclude from what is going on at this point, uh, Todd? I mean, it, it, it's good news. Uh, hopefully it will continue to be good news, but, um, you know, with the uh, recent Democratic debates, uh, if the administration changes in the other direction, uh, we might not be looking at <laughs> at, the, at this good news still, correct? Well, uh, you know, in terms of border security and immigration, 2020 is everything. Uh, all of these tweaks, policy changes, uh, you know, personnel shifts will be reversed. We should assume that they would all be reversed if there's an administration change. And we'll go back to open borders. We'll just simply, we'll be flooded again uh, mm-hmm. with illegal migration. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing that, that, to take away is that almost everything that I've seen happen with this administration is incredibly innovative. Uh, much of it has never been done. Uh, things like MPP and uh, you know, threatening the Mexicans and in, n- none of this. This is all... Uh, you know, really just breaking new ground. That's great. It shows that, that Congress is really not necessary. 
uh, for a lot of what, what we're seeing. I mean, this is all diplomatic. It's all within the executive office. And I hope that lesson goes forward into generations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Todd, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us and to, uh, and to enlighten us and, and give us an update about what's going on. It, uh, it certainly seems to be great news, and, uh, which, which was what we've been needing for a long, long time. Anytime, George. Thanks a lot. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Welcome back. George Rodriguez, El And that uh, entry music there was uh, a march called Zacatecas. It is, uh, it is called the uh, National March of Mexico. And since it is the, um, uh, it is, uh, the liberals, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I'm going to phrase it that way, liberals uh, and leftists are celebrating um, Hispanic Month, whatever that is, whatever Hispanic is. I'm not sure that's a Cuban, a Puerto Rican, whatever. Anyway, um, they, uh, there is the celebration of Hispanic Month. Uh, I have been asked, my friends, I have been asked several times, why am I so proud to be an American? Why am I ashamed of being Hispanic or Mexican in particular? Well, you know, I am not ashamed of being Mexican, of Mexican descent, should I say, because I'm not a Mexican. I am not a Mexican national. I'm an American national. I'm an American citizen. I am red, white, and blue. And uh, the question is, when did I realize that I was red, white, and blue? I mean, I was raised in a bilingual home in, a, in South Texas, surrounded by Hispanics, by uh, people of Mexican descent, my uh, uh, relatives, co- cousins, tons of cousins, cousins and uncles and aunts and grandparents lived in Laredo and in Laredo. I mean, you know, there was uh, very few Anglos, very few. I can't remember any blacks. But at any rate, uh, I was raised in San Antonio. I was raised on the south side of San Antonio. But I was raised in a middle class uh, white neighborhood. And uh, to be honest, yes, you know, I I, uh, I faced a little bit of discrimination. I faced some of it. I mean, there was it was always there. It was always there. But my parents were also always there saying, don't worry about it. No big deal. Everybody gets discriminated against one way or another. And it's true. It's true. So I never worried about it. You know, I never it never really, really was a big issue with me. Um, however, when did I recognize and really, really re- realized that I was an American? Um that's a very, very interesting question. I think the, the answer has got to be when I lived in Mexico. Uh, for the, those of you that know, that know I, uh, I am of uh, the Mormon religion, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And uh, I served a two-year mission in Mexico. Uh, that means that I, was, I lived in Mexico. I lived and proselyted in Mexico for two years. Didn't come home. Full two years, 24 months, I was in Mexico. I was in Mexico City. I was in surrounding communities. Um, and I've got to admit that when I first got to Mexico, I, um, you know, I uh, was a little, it was a little strange because all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who looked like me, but didn't, you know, but there was a little bit odd culturally. Uh, there was also the poverty that I was just not used to. You know, that was a, that was a different situation altogether. At any rate, uh, I, um, my first uh, community that I le- worked in, um, because I got moved around, we've got moved around about every six months uh, to various communities. And uh, I was in one community serving in one uh, congregation in, in a community called Tlanepantla in the north part of uh, the city of Mexico in the Distrito Federal. And uh, it was near, there were some, 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 uh, 
uh, pyramids nearby, some ancient pyramids. Of course, there's pyramids. There's, you know, anybody that's visited Mexico realizes that there's um, there's antiquities all over the place. I mean, the place was occupied by almost a million uh, inhabitants uh, at the time of um, of Cortez's uh, arrival, uh, of the European arrival. At any rate, um, I remember standing on those pyramids and going, wow, my ancestors did build this. I mean, it's amazing, amazing. Um, so I felt a little bit of pride. But as time went on, my friends, as the as the year as as the two years moved along, as the months moved along, I began to realize more and more how much of an American I was. I began to realize how much red, white, and blue I was. I missed I missed fried chicken, I missed barbecue, I missed football games. Oh my gosh, I missed high school football games. I mean that's that's Texas. I missed. Uh, I, I, I missed Christmas because, uh, Christmas, I mean, the, the holiday season is not the same down there or was not the same. I mean, I think that they've adopted a whole lot more of our, uh, of our customs, including the Christmas tree. Um, but, uh, I remember that I'm missing Christmas. I'm doing Thanksgiving. There was no Thanksgiving. There is no Thanksgiving outside the United States, particularly in Latin America. And, uh, so, I mean, there, there was no Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I, wow, no Turkey. Um, and, and most of all, I think what I missed, I, I think more than anything, what I missed was just the cultural sense of being an American of, you know, I took, I, I took things for granted, like water, like clean water, like uh, clean air. Oh my gosh. I remember, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Chris, uh, or the new year's Eve and new year's day, um, in Mexico City, they burned tires in celebration. Burned tires everywhere, everywhere. So you would walk outside on New Year's Day, and uh, you had to wear uh, you, you had to breathe through through a a, uh, a, a, a handkerchief because the uh, the the rubber in the air, the rubber uh, leftover, the rubber smoke was uh in the air the rubber pollution was in the air i mean heavy 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 i remember looking at my at my uh handkerchief after a few moments being outside and it was gray it was gray and i thought to myself how strange how strange there were so many little nuances uh the treatment of animals cockfights bullfights um you know i'm sorry i'm sorry dog fights oh my gosh I can't imagine. I never went to one. Never, I heard about them, but I never went to one. I cannot imagine uh, the treatment of, of poor little animals. Um, so, it, it, you know, I began slowly to realize. Then I, it hit me one afternoon. One afternoon, I was, uh, we were riding a bus uh, after uh, taking care of some appointments, after doing some proselyting. We were coming home, and we went by a, uh, an area that was populated by a lot of American students, a lot of students that were... Uh, uh, studying abroad, so to speak. And um, these two American students got on the, on the bus, and uh, one of them was listening to an old transition radio, transistor radio. Uh, and um, they were picking up an American station. There, were, there was one American station in, in Mexico City. And uh, they were listening to the radio, and I remember listening and hearing uh, San Antonio Rose being played on the radio. And my friends, I just... It hit me. It hit me. I am not a Mexican. I am an American of Mexican descent. Even more so, I am a Texan of Mexican descent, a Tejano. I uh, felt so, so blessed suddenly. And I kept asking myself, uh, in a prayerful manner, I kept asking myself, uh, what did I do to be born in the greatest state and the greatest land, you know, and I don't mean to hurt the feelings of, of our listeners that are in other states, but you know, uh, since that time, since the time that I, I, I came home from my mission and, you know, that was, believe it or not, my friends, uh, 46 years ago. Can you imagine? I was 19, 46 years ago. Oh my goodness. At any rate, uh, I came home and, um, with a deeper appreciation of America, of what it is, not to mention of the land. 
of the land because there was so much pollution and so much destruction of the land in Mexico. You know, I have, uh, I have had the great opportunity, my friends, to live in West Virginia and see the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. I've had the great opportunity of living in Flagstaff, Arizona and see the beautiful desert. Oh, my gosh. Not to mention the Grand Canyon. Oh, my goodness. I've had the opportunity to, um, to uh, travel throughout the states. Uh, Louisiana, living in Baton Rouge and seeing the, the, the uh, gumbo, having, having uh, uh, Cajun food, having jambalaya. Oh, I love jambalaya. I love it. Uh, I, 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 I've had the opportunity of, um, of eating, uh, barbecue in Kansas city, mm, 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 baby. Let me tell you not to mention to, to walk the, the, the green at Lexington in Concord. Oh my gosh. Or to, or, or, or I remember the first time that I walked into, uh, Philadelphia's independence hall and feeling this sense of reverence. Oh my gosh, my friends. I realized at that point, I am an American and I am so proud of it. I am so proud of being, I may be of Mexican descent, but I am an American first, my friends. Not to mention the many times that I've stood in front of the Alamo and been thankful that I am a Texan. That's, that's important too. So my friends, you know, uh, when people disparage me and I guarantee my friends, oh, am I criticized constantly, constantly by the left and liberals, you know, accusing me of being ashamed of being a Mexican or Hispanic or whatever they, you know, whatever, whatever is in vogue that day. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I am, you know, I love fajitas. I love uh, tacos. I love uh, Flaco Jimenez's music, but I am an American of Mexican descent. I am an American, a Texan of, of Mexican descent. I am a Texan. And I am so proud of that, my friends. I am so, so proud of that. So uh, let, me, let me tell you, my friends, that uh, it, 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 ha- it is a pleasure. It is a pleasure for me to, to spend some time with you uh, and, and share these, these things with you. I hope that you will tell your friends about us. I hope that you will support us. Uh, and, uh, you know, call, our, uh, call KLUP and tell them that uh, you want to hear more. <laughs> Not to mention buy our book. El Conservador, uh, Conservative Opinions. That is on uh, an Amazon.com. So uh, until next time, my friends, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador in San Antonio. Thank you for being with us. Join us again next week.